Welcome to this week's Silk Grassroots Podcast, The Final Whistle, brought to you by the Down to Play app. <laughs> Grassroots football is finally back and we're buzzing. Get Down to Play today, the UK's leading app for next game availability. Download Down to Play from the App Store and Google Play. Hello, welcome to episode 23 of Referees the, the Final Whistle podcast with Ant, Matt and Nathan. We've got a great guest here, a very handsome lad, if you see, probably one of the best looking lads <laughs> we've had on this, this week. Um, Rich Fay and I go back a long time, refereed him, he's a really good goalkeeper. Then he went into management, some great, great success in management and we, some, some even world records we're going to talk about. So one of the things I wanted Rich to come on here is that not only do I like him as, a, as an individual and, and as a, a player and a, a coach, is that he's got this sheet that he um, records all the referees and he gives them traffic lights, red, amber, green. He does all the details on it. He's been doing it for years. And I just wanted to um, introduce everybody to, to Richard Fay, who's manager at Melksham Town. Thanks, guys. We're looking forward to it. And uh, thanks for having me. Well, mate, on this, on this, um, we'll talk about your career in a minute, but this, let's go straight into this sheet. When you told me about this sheet, you're one of those few managers, not few, there's, there's a lot of years, who likes having a pint after the game and a chat with refs, ne- never get out of order, even though sometimes you, you've absolutely lost the shit because a referee might have done a dodgy game. You'd always take considers, you'd always have a pint. I've always respected you for it, but when we got talking about this sheet, how did it happen and, you know, how long have you been doing it and what's in it and stuff like that? To be honest, Martin, I think it was, you know, a good seven, eight years ago and then I took your advice. I, we were, um, you know, the, the leagues always give out a disciplinary chart or a little league table and at the time the club I was at was struggling. We were down the bottom of it and we are picking up a lot, a lot of bookings and I kept getting, I didn't want to say I was getting a high rate with referees, but they kept coming over to me. And there's nothing worse as a manager when a referee, you say something and then they put all the play, whistle, come running over and give you a bollock in front of everyone. Um, so I, I started taking, writing down the, the names of every referee that we've, we've um, uh, been in the middle against us. Um, and then two or three kept popping up during the half a season. Um, and I thought, oh, he was good, or was he bad? So I was just using the red, amber, and green. Um, so I always know, I always ask my secretary, wherever I've been since, who's the referee on Saturday, and I know if he's cost us a goal or, you know, let us down from previous games, or he was really good, normally if we've won, um, and they get a green light. But majority are red or amber. Oh, fair play, mate. I love this bit about uh, cost us a game. Did you do the same when you play him as a penalty or as a shite game? Do they cost you a game as well? I know you're going to stick up for um, reference, but I, no, I, I, the point I'm trying to make is it's a, it's a tough job. I, I give that to anyone and, and uh, I could never do it. Um, I've tried it where I've helped out teams and we've made next door when he wants me to referee his kids team and I've helped out on a Sunday morning. But the the point, the bit I'm trying to make is if it's a, slot, a, a penny or... There's one instance I can remember going to Weymouth in the FA Trophy when we were manager of um, uh, Bridgewater. And uh, there's pictures in the video clip of a handball on the line 
the most blatant penalty you'll ever see. In the last minute, we're 1-0 down. They're two leagues higher than us and the ref didn't give it. But then when you look back at it, when things settle down, you look in the paper on a Monday and you see the handball and you watch the video clip. It's the most blatant handball and he could have caught it. Um, so those sorts of uh, episode I put down as a red. Sorry. <laughs> uh, one of the things I noticed was... Um, I got it, I got it, I got it. I've waited just for I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> this, was this the Shane Mansfield thing? No, 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 that was Yeats. Was that Yeats? No, this is a different one. This was um, Weymouth. This was... Um, I got his name somewhere, referee. If you're not, don't record it. I can get his name. But yeah, no, he, um, this, I got a picture as well. Someone shot from about eight yards and it was, go- it was going in. The lad put his hands up, his, his hands and gone over. He went down and ordered his face. Everyone in the ground knew it was a penalty. We would have got a replay. You would have got, say, five, six, seven hundred down at Bridgewater on a Tuesday night against oh, Weymouth. Yeah. Massive for the club. And uh, he gave a corner and said he edited it. And... So that one had to have a red. We've just had this with... What game was that, lads? It was at West Brom, where the player did the same. He handballed it and went like that. Like, yeah, yeah. 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 Now, this is what... I'm not going to go, Rich, because I love you. No, you know, no, no, yeah. Well, no one ever blames the frigging player. They always blame the fucking referee. Yeah. yeah. You just don't. You just say, the player cheaters. The referee, my team, got loads of shite purely because a player pretended he got smacked in the face really hard, went down, yeah. and then gets up and goes, oh, no, we didn't... What What you go down for, mate? And I think I know at a, a grassroots level, you know, the level we operate at, you don't see mega loads of it, but you know, we just need players and managers to stop that shite. It's not going to cause us trouble. I think now as well, with the no crowds in with the Premiership and you're, when you yeah. watch it on telly, you only got to hear a yelp. I was watching one of your shows the other day and you hear one of them go screaming on the floor straight away, a natural reaction. A referee's going to blow, I think, because he's worried. Yeah. If you don't give it and it ends up a goal or so, then they get sent, you know, there's so many cameras nowadays where they can get dug out. Um, it, it, it's more evident, I think, especially when you're watching it on, on telly. Yeah, fair play. Sorry, Nate, that cuts across your mate. No, I was just, I, again, I was just interested. I'm not having a go at Rich here either. I, just, I was interested in his term, his phraseology. Yeah, his phraseology when he said, and these guys are refereeing against us. I don't. I don't think we're refereeing against or for anybody. I think if any, if if we're as referees, if we're refereeing, we're refereeing for ourselves because yeah. we are probably much like you guys are playing for yourselves because we want to be promoted, you want to be promoted, and I think that there's a general way way that that goes. And, I, and I'm just, I was just interested to see that. I mean, my my clear question, you sort of answered it a bit, was what what was your real motivation behind the traffic light system? I think one as well, you build that relationship. You get you get those um, referees all season, um, sometimes two, three times a season coming up. And I think it's only, one, it's right, I think you've got to remember their name, you know who they are. Um, and like I say to you before, it's a, it is our job. But also, it does stick with you. All managers are the same when it comes down to a referee um I did not say given a, given a penny against you or you think that he hasn't performed up to how they normally do or you go away from home and you can go to some places in our league and crowds and that get behind and look at us we, we're the best supported club in the, in the league and we average I say four four fifty. Mm-hmm. you get them behind you when we were on the run over Christmas last year mm-hmm. it's like a 12th man and it yeah. does you do you do get penalties and we there was one game we played I think it was Magnusfield and we've got um 
um, a penalty towards the end and the, the noise in the ground again it's only non-league yeah, yeah. these referees are not, and it, it does give you that bit of advantage um, again when you go away from home and you're against crowds there or they're you know having a pop at you and repeating yeah. for every decision. Um, sometimes they they're not favourable for you, but it's nothing. I don't use it as any. I don't go to a referee and say giving you a red or a yellow, yeah. or whatever. I I just try and I do it for my own personal um, like achievement, really, just so that I know the next time we get certain referee, I know that every time we've had him, you know, we've we've never won or he's cost us. Right. He's given decisions against us that I think he shouldn't have and. There'll be a story in a minute that Martin loves that um, there's one referee that I've always um, had a lot of respect for a lot of time, but he always seems to, the big decisions go against us, but it happens. And, you know, it's it's just my own personal um, spreadsheet that I'll never show anyone. Yeah, no, I was just going to ask though, like, because obviously you get, again, when you have that chat or whatever it is with the secretary and you say, oh, you know, who's the referee? And then you look at your sheet how does the approach? I mean, I would assume that you've got probably no problem with getting a green referee because you're thinking, happy days, we've got a, we've had a referee who's been good for us. We, he's had a good game whenever he's refereed us, great. But when, when it's a red, uh, what, what's your mindset? Is your mindset, okay, well, he wasn't maybe so good last time, but we'll see how he does this time, or is it to try and what, what is the mindset? Well, I, I, tried, I tried this year, and again, we only played a handful of games, but I tried this year of treating everyone, the, every referee the same. I try and speak to them before the game. Yes. Some would disagree, but some of them after the game, and I'll always try and shake hands with the referee afterwards. I know we should anyway, as a part of some respect, but you, it's quick to easy, it's too easy, you know, if a manager, if you lose 5 0, you walk straight off, off yeah. the pitch. But go back to your, to your question, I find it. I do find it tough when referees come to our base because of our facilities <clears throat> and our ground. We're always assessed. Always. We always seem to, for some reason, have an assessor every home game because I think they get looked after too much and it's a lovely setup to come in and, uh, and for assessors to set up at the top. And that's one thing that I have spoken to the chairman about because I think that when referees are assessed, I think it came out before that um, there's more cards and there seems to be more... Um, Am I right in saying, Mark? There's more yellow cards and red cards in yeah, yeah. Referees. I think I think most referees would like to manage more than they can a game when they're being assessed. And I don't, I don't think there's any, I don't think there's any, I don't think we're, you know we're not going to pretend or hide behind anything when we say that. That, that when you're not being assessed, a referee will maybe try to manage certain situations that they just couldn't if they're yeah. being observed. So they would have to to caution or dismiss. Yeah. But and again, I think. Sorry, little decisions, little, de- little decisions. Whereas some referees, they didn't want to be coming over and branding a yellow card straight away in someone's face after one tackle. When we're being assessed, they think that they've got to do it because it's by the rules. Whereas common sense sometimes, I can push it our level where a little card word in the air, one neck do it again, then happens. And the gentleman there, Martin, we should be one of the best at it because he always had that communication with players, managers, if I swore at Martin, I knew he'd have a pop back, but that's that was just a relationship you you had and you always refereed different to a lot of others. And now you're more experienced. Well imagine you're in the middle now. Christ. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sitting here thinking the same, limping around. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Well we we you um you know I remember you saying something interesting to me, actually, mate, and I, and I sort of thought, mm, yeah. It's like you said, you know what, I'm getting nothing by being good on the sidelines. Mm. And I thought, I thought that was really like, 
worrying really because you just said, well, look, you know, you you told me to behave, you give me advice and all that. And I behave, don't have a go, let them do the game. And then I see the other bench giving it loads, jumping up like this every time there's contact. Get and they're getting away with it. And I just thought that was interesting. Then you said, I know, I'm, I'm going to start giving them stick. Well, I, I said to you before, and when we, um, I think it was last season, I can remember turning up at a game, I'm not going to mention the referee or the, um, the manager, but when I pulled up in the car park and walked across the pitch, we always got onto the pitch to see, you know, what the pitch is like. With me, um, with my assistant, and the referee and the opposition manager was sat in the dugout having a chat. I didn't like that. Mm. I don't think you might think it's different. They're not having no thing, but to me, it's too friendly. It's too. If you're going to sit and do it, you're better off having both of us and the referee sat in the three of you in a in a dugout because straight away then, if you lose a game or and again going back to that last minute decision. Um, I, the first thing a manager is going to bring up is is that you, before the game you were sat having a coffee with him in the dugout. So it is tough, it's hard, I know, but it's I've I've tried to calm down. Yeah, I was the world's worst, and I think that's down to a bit of inexperience at the beginning. Um, I think the louder you shout, the or the quieter you are, it ain't going to make much difference. The referee's there to do a job, and we just all now try and we, we've had referee. I think you've had him on before, Ben. This came in and spoke to our lads in a training night, and um, it was brilliant. It was brilliant because the lads, when all the rules changed, and he came in and, and, and had a chat with the lads. And I think that sort of relationship, in that sort of, um, uh, you know, it's not as if they're not human. You know, try and get on with them and, and speak to them. That's a service, uh, Richard, that's offered by the PGMWL to, to football league clubs and and maybe even National League and maybe National League South clubs. You, is that something that you think that the county FAs could could work with at clubs at contributory and supply league level to bring a referee in yeah. in pre-season to do things like that and explain Definitely. that? Definitely. I've, I've said it before and I've offered to a couple of referees where I've I've um, if I've seen them out on a normal Saturday afternoon or on a Sunday... I always think, how does a referee keep themselves fit? I got a, I got a job to do when we come back. We ain't kicked a ball since October the fourteenth, I think it is. So we, it's nearly nine months of our lads not doing much. Or I've been on top of them trying to make sure they keep themselves fit until we find out what the rule, what's going to happen. But who gets the referees fit? Who do, it's got to be it's got to be a lonely motivation for yourself yeah. to go out and all right doing your five k's. At least I've got a group of lads. So I I think referees should go and join in with with local clubs and do a pre season with them because. Right, they ain't got to get the balls out and kick the ball out with the fitness work why can't they join in and help and, and, and keep ticking over and also it, like you said before Nath with men, mental health this it'd be good for a referee to go and get involved in a in a changing room environment and after cracking yeah definitely um, because I do I think you're exactly right in terms of the the the, the loneliness and we had um, we had Adam Penwell on quite a few months ago now yeah. and he spoke at length about I mean obviously he was coming back from a lot of injuries and he spoke at length about um, the difficulty that he had coming back from injuries but coming back from a serious injury like that when you're alone a lot of the time um, mm. and you're doing a lot of the training and, and obviously I think Martin and, and, and Adam were both talking about how they run their own business or, or, or were working and finding that training at like 11 o'clock at night and things like that yeah. and I think there's a lot more of, of that that happens with with referees because we don't have set training sessions so you know we don't get uh, we don't have a Richard Fay who'll say hey look by the way lads, it's training at seven night, all be there. It's, we've got to find time within our schedule because nobody's really going to train with us. There are the odd groups that train together of officials, but on the whole, it's, there's a lot of sort of, um, yeah, as you say, sort of solitude training that takes place. I'd put out there if, if it helps a referee to, um, to, for fitness when we start back in June, hopefully, 
if it is in um, the June, if they want to come in and just join in with the fitness side of it, it's not a problem at all. It, it, I think it'd be good for them as well to get back into it. And if we did do small-sided games or something, they can bring their whistle and get involved rather than it me assistant or myself doing it, they can um, get back into the uh, If that was me, I'd, I'd not be bringing me whistle. I'd be bringing me, me big right foot, <laughs> be banging in some screamers, putting your lads to shame. <laughs> I'll bring my shin pads out again. <laughs> I used to never with my shin pads, fuck's sake. The, 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 one of the, um, the, the things of fitness, what always used to piss me off, I was a builder when I was active. I put on weight now because I just can't do anything because I got injured. When I was a builder, I was always active. I was always, always, always on my feet all day. And then I, I, I thought I'd go out and run. What I find now is the way the FA do things, particularly at your, your level, which Southern League and, and that sort of level and above. Up until about conference, say, Kai was killed at conference, National League, the referees are not, can do one fitness test at the beginning of the season. And that's it. That's yeah. it. So no matter what the assessor says about being fat or not being fit, Nathan's done one. Is is um they don't they're not obliged to there's no there's no there's no like obligation for them to have like a half season fitness test. They're looking at bringing it in before we had COVID and all that. But at your level, I think it should be like at least one fitness test during the season. Yeah. Because they pass it, I think you got till you do it in, in July. Then you, I think you got till October to pass your fitness test. If you pass it in that time. No one looks at you until the following year. So you might have 10 shite assessments on your fitness. And that's it. That, nothing happens. And I think managers and all that need to know, know that. And I think I think it should be up to referees to, to own up and say, look, we need a bit more fitness. You lads are doing it twice a week. Referees will just might go Saturday to Saturday. Just one. I've never agreed. And again, with our if with the lads with fit how fit they are nowadays, these 18, 19, 20, 21 year old lads. Yeah. And the referee got to go and try and keep up with them on a, on a pitch from one end of the pitch to the other. If they don't look after their bodies and look after themselves, you know, and that's important. I think that's important. Um, state what you said there, uh, Skies, just because you, you naturally think that they're just going to turn up a referee and be as fit as the lads are out there. But if they're not doing their own bit, then um, they wonder that some, you know, we say that they come out of centre circle and things like that, what you used to. I used to, yeah, because I'm fucking Rob. But I, I, I stand in the stand looking at some referees, and I'm just thinking, fucking, I look fitter than you. I'm never yeah. referee for twelve years, mm. and I just think, what, what goes through their heads when they're out there in the middle at that level of football, level three, mm. and they're clearly not doing any form of fitness. And I just yeah. find it, I just find it a little bit. That's got to be looked at, surely. It's got to be, mate. It's got to be, and like you know, we, we can't stand here as a charity and say. Oh yeah, you shouldn't shout out referees, no, which, which is obviously the truth. But don't make it easy. Don't make it easy for people to have a go at you because you're not we play and you you don't look the part. And you know, I I I have I've looked and thought, oh my god, lads, you need to do something. That's all. There was a referee who got a two um, way, which is conference national league premier. Adam Bromley, and I, I'll, I'll tag him in, in this on on Twitter. Top draw ref, really, really like you know switched on ref. Electrician used to work on the docks, got a bit of bar and clubs loved him. But I, I remember the first time I went to watch him at Ilfracoom when he got to level three. Ilfracoom's in Devon, lads, so Richard know that used to be wouldn't. And uh, I got there and I'm, I'm having a cup of tea. So a lot of lads went having a cup of tea waiting and all the players are warming up. As I'm like, see, it's quarter to three. Where, where, where's, the, where's the ref? So I go, I go down to the restrooms and I go, all right, lads. And he's sitting there on the chair getting ready. He says, you having a warm up? Nah. 
I don't do one, must be babber. I went, hey, fucking hey. Oh, yes. no, no, I save all my energy for me 90 minutes. Yeah, <laughs> Mate, you've got your line always got to warm up too. Yeah. You know, if you get an injury because you haven't warmed up, the FA's going to go mad. If I yeah. tell them you haven't warmed up, said to me, if they've just at least pretend to warm up, yeah. and then we'll talk about it. Like, so we ended up getting all the way up to like, you know, National League level, Football League, because he then clicked on and he put the effort in. It was always a big unit. It was more like Jeff Winter than the David Ellery. Crack a ref, but just naturally big lads, you know what I mean? But mm. I had to put the, the effort in. But he got off his ass from doing nothing, putting an effort into it. Had three kids, married, full-time job. You know, you, you've got to make an effort to, to be fit at that level. And yeah. well, there are people out there who, who can get to a good level, like your level, by just doing a fitness test once a year. It's wrong. Yeah, so I do. It's, it's interesting, that, but it's, um, it's a shame. Because also, again, as a manager... You're you're on your players twice a week to make sure they're taking over. They're doing you know the fitness work. And again, when we, the first lockdown, we we'd um, set up like you know the Strava where they were doing five k runs in times, and I was keeping record of all of them. But then if we did come back in and start playing in December, if these referees hadn't done nothing and they got no one on their back like yourselves, you know, making sure that they're um, they're keeping themselves ticking over, then again, you're telling me then decisions are are, are going to be. 100% correct all the time. Fit body, fit mind, isn't it? And, yeah. you know, so maybe that's something, I think, yeah, maybe it's something you you could uh, promote and clubs at all non-league local levels. Make the, uh, yeah, definitely. Referees to join in and help with Even at my level, I couldn't, I couldn't imagine, you know, supply league level, I couldn't even, I couldn't imagine not training, you know, at least three or four times a week during the week in between games you know obviously I think Martin mentioned it there Saturday to Saturday and I think how can you you know particularly if you you know you're eating and drinking maybe some things that you shouldn't be and things like that you know it's just it doesn't sit right with me they would you know it's something we've mentioned on other episodes it's not yeah we've touched on fitness this time around but but prior to that, uh, you know, it was the referees that didn't do the continual professional development. So the new laws would come out. Uh, they may have a cursory glance, but there was no obligation for them to, to kind of get up to speed with them. And then they'd carry on refereeing the, the same laws of the game that they'd done maybe five years ago. But the game's a very different game now to what it was five years ago. They'll referee their game. I'm, I'm, I'll say it. They'll referee to the wrong laws. And then next week's referee comes along, one that is up to date, one that is fit, one that does, you know, do all the stuff that he or she should be doing. And that referee will get stick because last week's ref let them get away with things, whereas this week's ref says, actually, that now under these new laws is a handball. Ah, but last week's ref, we had exactly the same, wasn't a handball. Uh, and it's one of those things that winds me up because I always seem to be the, the fella that last week's ref um, let them off with everything I'm I'm going in there and I'm dropping. It's like you said with the um, with the assessments. Uh, I, I absolutely agree that when there's an a, a, a observer, there you go, using old terminology, when there's an observer watching you referee, you will drop more red and yellow cards, especially yellow cards, where the laws of the game say right, this is a mandatory caution, because if you don't do it, th then your feedback at the end is well, that was a, a mandatory one. You didn't give the right sanction. So you as the referee in that game lose that points. Um, but if you were to referee as you normally would without an observer, you'd probably manage it, as Nathan said. Yeah. And the club would appreciate that more. The players would appreciate that more. So it's one of those weird ones where if, you've ha if you're officially being watched uh, for your own development, 
you you'll perform in a way that is different to how I think you normally would. I personally, yeah. I personally try and do the same all the time. And if there is an observer and it is a mandatory one, I'll, I'll still try and manage it. But in the back of your head is always, I'm going to get bollocks. Uh, you know, I'm going to get, yeah. In the, my, in the my, air after my thing on that, and I think you answered the, your own my question there. Would it be best then to for whoever it is, is it the FA or who send these assessors out to to watch these referees, not tell the referee that they're going to be assessed on that Saturday afternoon? Yeah, definitely. Uh, blind blind observation, like yeah. just don't don't yeah, tell the referee. Then- yeah, so I think then the referee will always be the same. He's always going to prepare the same. He's always going to be referee in the match the same. And there's going to be no different to because they do they do change when there's an assessor there is is a completely a different personality of a referee to when they're not there. So if you didn't tell the assessor turns up at quarter to three and goes home at quarter to five and then speaks to him the next day on the phone. Yeah, I think it'd be a lot easier for all referees as well, and they feel a lot more relaxed because they won't know if someone's in the crowd. Um, yeah, I think it'd be. Um, I was gonna say the thing is as well there, and you, you touched upon it. it. It's it's something that again, it, it's a bit of a wind up for me. The you, okay, there was, there's not been much apart from Premier League football to watch uh, yeah. in terms of what what's been on on telly. You can't go to your, your local clubs and watch what's going on there. And you you mentioned that the players will get a little tap and they'll go down, they'll scream, and they'll make the most of it, and that. Already this season was creeping in to the the game at the lower levels of the pyramid, and I think when we come back and definitely into next season as well, because of what we've it's seen in the Premier League, it's gonna it's gonna happen so much more yeah. down at the level that we operate at, and uh, you see the the abuse that the refs get on the Premier League when they don't give us a, a decision after a, a player has gone down screaming and rolling around and all that. My, my concern is that what we see in the Premier League with the players getting the tiniest amount of contact, um, the referee's not giving it, and then the referee's getting abuse for that. And things like that, that really don't help in the Premier League is the VAR and the multiple replays that get analysed to the nth degree by the pundits at the end of the game uh, that will say that the referee was wrong. Nine times out of ten, the pundits will say that the referee was wrong in any given situation. Um, the, the, uh, most of the games that we operate down down at our level, shall we say, you got you got one one bloke or one woman in the middle with with one set of eyes. Virtually no help from the sidelines because it'll be club linos, but they'll be under the same amount of scrutiny as those Premier League referees, and it it makes it a, such a difficult job. And you mentioned the loneliness as well. It's way way more lonely when it's just one one bloke or one lady by themselves on a Sunday morning uh, and 22 plus, you know, coaches and stuff like that. It's just, there's anxiety, I feel, going back into the game after this most recent lockdown. Yeah, definitely. And I think education's got to be the key, you know, just leading on what you said there about the Premier League. And I think it's not just education of coaches and players, but it's also the education of pundits as well. We saw how positive it was when Gary Neville and uh, Jamie Carragher went to do a piece at St George's Park with uh, with the select group and how much that built relationships. And it actually meant that when they were talking on Monday Night Football, whatever it was, there was a lot more understanding and empathy for referees and, and an understanding of the challenges we faced. But what really annoyed me was I saw, uh, it was at the weekend, it was um, Fulham against Sheffield United uh, on Saturday evening. 
uh, Graeme Souness making a comment, you know, this is why English uh, England didn't have a representative um, at the last World Cup. Well, actually, that's a sensationalist headline which was tweeted by Sky Sports and allowed to go into the public domain and feed other, with respect, ignorant viewpoints because the facts get in the way of that good story, that good line. And, 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 that, and the facts are very simple. Mark Clattenburg would have gone to the 2018 World Cup a, a, in Russia. Um, he made a decision to leave the Premier League for, for, his, for his reasons, for his personal reasons, which, which he's gone into. And, and that meant that, unfortunately, there was no time for, for the PGMWell English referees to put another referee on that pathway. And, and, and so we missed out this time. But we absolutely no doubt that this summer when the... <coughs> 2020 European Championships is finally played, that we will have an English referee there and then we'll just carry on as normal as we did before. But let's not let's not sort of get ahead of ourselves here. The facts are very, very simple. In the last, what it would have been, sort of four major tournaments so within a 10-year period, you know, we'd have a World Cup final referee. We've had a referee that's done, you know, the European Championships final, the Champions League final, the FA Cup final in the same season. The standard of refereeing in this country is getting better and better. There are more opportunities to make referee in a career um, and there are more opportunities for referee development and support than there ever have been. And I'm sure that Martin, who who's obviously came through the system towards the top end many years ago, would look at a lot of the colleagues that we have now and see that they get a lot more support and, and a lot more help in order to, to get to where, obviously, Martin was at the time. Yeah, well, the, the fitness levels were always... You know, we used to do the bleed test. I remember talking to someone about the bleed test and the minimum bleed test for a line I won a football league when I was doing it, it was 11.2, 11.2. But to get into the Royal Marines, it was seven. You were like, really? It was like really bizarre, but it was it was good. But I want to just go back to what you were saying about observers and and, and assessors, really, because I'm with, I'm with Rich to a certain extent, because when I worked at the FA, I had a sheet on all my referees had to put in, it was a different assessment scheme, but I had like columns, application of law, you know, uh, mass control, um, there was decision-making, fitness, advantage, you know, all, all this sort of stuff. And I said, look, categorise them into a, into a spreadsheet and see what mark you got off the assessor for each one. But also put in there what, what booking you, you had and all that. So I didn't tell them why I was doing it. So we left it alone. I did, I did, it, I did it for six and a half years in there, nearly seven years. What I was doing it was, it showed up how many times you were more likely to get a booking with an assessor there than not an assessor there. And you were between three and four times more likely to get a technical booking when an assessor's there than a physical one. And I don't blame the assessors for that. I know they're called observers, but I'm calling them assessors. I call them linos too. And and that's the referee's fault. That's not the assessor's fault. All right, the assessor scheme, I think, was made in a certain way where... um, you got more marks for giving out cards. That's wrong. That's absolutely wrong. We push for ages that you should. Application of law isn't about getting a card out. Application of law is managing the situation and deciding not to book someone, deciding not to send them off and getting that decision right. So so Neil Barry sends an email out. You would have known about this. He was head of referee image. Said, oh, I expect most of the marks to be between 71 and 73. Well, if you get a 73, which is he saying is sort of the top end of the marking for an average game, that average gets you demoted, like, even to this day. So you can get over the average mark that the FA has a referee and says, you know, you expect you can get over it and still get demoted. So by nature, that forced 
um, referees to overreact to do stupid cautions, then what you will find is one week you will get a bollocking, but the next week you get a, a caution. So by nature, it's sort of in, it just encourages inconsistency and still does now. I see it now. Now I to go up to Hazard when he gets to like um, National League Premier, you get assessed every game anyway. Absolutely every, every game. And then on North and South and on National League, you can go to videos and look at videos and stuff. So there's no really hiding place, but you don't get assessed every single game on on a, on that level. But it, at your level, it's on Southern League, just below the... They, they probably get 10 assessments a year out of all the games they do. And what you find is that some referees overreact. And, and, and the biggest problem is, when there's no assessor there, the under-referee, and when the assessor is there, the over-referee yeah, must be the same. And then they wonder why he gets to... I, it sounds like I've seen people get bad club marks, which we'll come on to in a minute, club marks, because they didn't do the job. They didn't book someone. They thought, ah, oh, if I don't book him, secretary might look, look after me. Bollocks. Absolute bollocks. And then mm. they wonder why they get stick. Yeah. Just do your job. Yeah. Just do your job. And it's just, it really pisses me off. And, you know, you want to, and also where you can lay the, lay, the, lay the blame at some observers, they have their own idiosyncrasies. Some of them will say, oh, I'm really tight on socks. Oh, I'm really tight on, on throw-ins, make sure it's actually on the button. Oh, I'm really tight on you've got to be in your own half when you start. That's bollocks too. That doesn't make you a better referee. So all of it needs to be looked at very differently. And I think it's going here, if I'm honest. You are getting more marks now from managing a game and not just getting the cards out and trying to give, give, give the game a chance. But but referees, I, you know, the amount of times I've sat in the stands and the, and the, and the, ref, and the assessor's gone, no, what's he booking that for? That's an assessor booking, he's done that for me. I'm going to mark it down. And I've had assessors say, that was never a red. That was never, never a red, never a red. Yeah. So you, you've got youth humans saying, he only did that because the assessor's in the stands. But the assessor's not going to go, go, to, go to you and say, do you know what, Rich, you were right. Because you'll go to your players and go, even the fucking assessor said he was shite. Yeah. And everybody loses. I had, yeah. it, I had it up at Worcester City, one of the lads I was coaching. I went in and said, look, just so you know, there's no assessor here, I'm his coach. But I don't know why you did that. I don't know why you did that second yellow. It was just stupid second yellow. He could have bollocked him and straight for his card, second yellow. No need, it was just no need. But then he, he I said, oh, he's thanks, Scouts, I won't name him. He then goes in the changing rooms. It was the away team, I must say. He sold them all. And so I, I went back into the changing room with him. I said, fuck you, I said. I'm sorry this word, but that's what I said. I'll never, ever be truthful with you now. You're trying to build trust between referees and, and, and managers and you go and do a shite like that. What, mm. What's all that about? Do you know what I mean? So it's, it's, it's like a three-way thing of looking at it. I think, like, coming after games, referees should talk on camera at that level. I've got no problem with that. As long as they're not getting set up and they're going to be as forensic with referees' decisions as they are with players, stupid passes, stupid seconds, yellow cards, stupid yeah. missing a pen. Do you know what I mean? If, if everyone's going to fail, I can't see a problem with it. But it won't happen, mm. Rich. You know, the excited assist the referee and go, oh, they'll cost us the league. What about your dickhead that just missed two penalties and picked yeah. up a second yellow? That's fine. That's unlucky. It's that sort of environment that I think. So I'm sort of with you on most of it, Rich. I do think that refs overreact to an assessor's area. Thanks. Think. That's it. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> 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 Get me on that side of it. No, it's, it is. Like I said to you, it's, it is tough. But you can again, you look when you're watching the Premiership and, and the majority because we've done nothing else and watching all the games and it is tough for them and with VAR and bloody cameras everywhere and it's easy to sit behind a screen and he flicked his heel and, uh, but 
you've got to think how, are, how tough it is to get those decisions right. Fair play to them because they do take a lot of, a lot of stick, a lot of, um, a lot of uh, bad criticism, but it's 99, oh, I'd say 95% normally get the result, uh, the decisions correct. Um, and it's good, but it never gets backed up on, on telly from your Gary, Gary Neville's in Carragher. They never come out and say, what a great decision that was, or he deserved, you know, it's always, it's quick to pick up and criticise. So fair play to them, they must have fixed skin. Yeah, or oh, they just got it right on a tight offside. What's that? Oh, they just, oh, just got it right. But it's in a tight angle. Oh, it's a really tight angle. He scores. Oh, he's a world-class player. Yeah. Yeah, it just, oh, he's just, oh, he's just got that right. He's, or oh, she's just got out of chance there. You just think, oh, really? Just, just really? Yeah. One of the things we, we talked on the beginning, the beginning of this, this episode, mate, was about what you've done, you've achieved as a manager. Off street. When you won the league, the two station Western League, off street. Didn't you, wasn't there some like Wales record you broke about the most wins on the trot or something? Yeah, we, well, we, we started off that season pretty um, indifferent and we went down to Willand in the FA Vars and um, I think we were 7-1 and got absolutely murdered. Um, after the game, we didn't even have a, not say a bad word with the lads. We, it was just one of those games. It was a free result. Um, took, the, took it on the chin. And then on the Tuesday, we played our reserves in a little friendly. Um, scraped a 1-0 win on the, on the Saturday and ended up winning 26 league games on the banks. And like, to be honest, well, as you know, because we were in regular contact then, come to about 21, someone... 21 games, someone rang and said, do you know that you've just beat Benfica? I think it was. Check all the websites, ben, uh, Wikipedia. So we did that. Then we started, we, we had to play four games in one week. Um, one all four. Then all of a sudden it come up to, and the boys were hanging off their feet. And, and, and again, you can say what you want about managers. The lads were outstanding. And we even though we were chopping and changing, we had to mix it up because lads were playing a lot of games. We ended up, um, the publicity for the club, um, the recognition. We had a letter from Celtic, um, Brendan Rogers, because we beat Celtic to the 26 games. And then we were two away from uh, catching, I think Tiverton was one of the teams that was okay. up there. Yeah. Um, when they were in the Western League. And uh, we ended up drawing, or yeah, drawing 2 2 with Brislington on the Saturday. And the lads just ran out of legs. It was, it was an unbelievable achievement. In, we ended up winning the league by 14 points and I think we had 102 points and absolutely walked the league and it was unbelievable and for a little club, a little village like Street to go and get all that publicity and, you know, we were on back page in the non-league paper and talk sport were on the phone and, uh, sorry, radio. It was just, it was an unbelievable achievement and I, I said to the lads, I'll never forget, after we, we drew that game with Brislington and I told them all, Afterwards, you don't realise what you've done until you're sat with your grandkids when you're older and you sit back and you think, bloody hell, you know, to, to win 26 league games on the banks. But now I see Man City is on a bit of a run, so they might catch us. <laughs> <laughs> and and it, they've nearly, you, you nearly won as many games as Everton have lost. That, uh, <laughs> <laughs> what <do you> mean? <laughs> and for those for those who don't, it's which is Saturday a felt, fun. Big Saturday fun. felt like winning 26 on the banks. <laughs> well, you know, we have so much stick about it. About it. Uh, and obviously, this is getting recorded a few days after Everton beat Liverpool for the first time. Whatever, ever. I get battered by uh, by bits on Facebook, WhatsApp, and Everton. So, so fair play to Everton. Yeah, I thought it was a good win, but they're looking good, mate. Everton, they're looking good. 
made brilliant since he's come in and he's just changed the mentality of the club. I, I went up, I watched him against Newcastle on the, um, uh, just before when, uh, uh, Oh, when they threw it away. They did. They scored two in the last two minutes. Well, I was walking out of the ground when they scored those two. Yeah, cheers, Neve. As <laughs> <laughs> we walk out of the ground, but the um, it was the ninety-first. For, for those who don't know, it was the ninety-first minute, and Everton were winning two 0 It was in the three minutes of added time, and the game finished two-two. This Newcastle. Yeah. Again, Newcastle, Pickford, um, Rush. We were walking out of the ground. Me and the lad who I work with, because we were staying up there with work. And we went round and got a ticket and he, he, I think he collected a cross and then tried putting his foot through and they got intercepted and they come back and when they scored, oh, it was gone. But ever since then, and you watch it again, typical supporter, you feel, oh, they're rubbish and you're going to do this, but you keep going, you keep going out. Still, when they were in Europe, we were travelling over in Nuremberg and Benfica, uh, standard the age, watching them. But hopefully this year, fingers crossed, they can get back in that Europe, Europe spot in or even just to finish higher than Liverpool would just be unbelievable. And for a manager at your level, and then you see Carl, you obviously talk about Carl Ancelotti there, and and obviously there's been a lot of top managers, you know, I know David Moyes was at Everton for a long, long time, and he's doing very well now with West Ham. Do you, do you look at that and try to, t- do, you, do you look more forensically at the way that they set the teams up and things like that to try and take bits from it? Not To be honest, again, when, whenever I go to a game, to that level, or even... My mum and granddad got uh, season tickets at Bristol City and they're in, they're in between the two dugouts. Yeah. So I've been down a few times with my granddad and I sit there. I do, you do listen, it's natural because you see their reactions, you see how they, what they come out with and what they shout. Um, but that game, funny enough, against Newcastle, I was to the left-hand side of Steve Bruce. And to... Not anything there then. <laughs> well, well, what he's done in the game as well is, you do, you, you, you try and learn, you try and pick up little things off all of them, but... Yeah, Ancelotti with what he's done and all of them, it's, it's, it's brilliant. Again, I was there for Anadice's first, I think he took over um, when they beat West Ham 4-0 on a Wednesday night and I, I was, um, Unsworth took the game when Rooney scored from the halfway line over Jim yeah, Park. Yeah. Um, and yeah, just to see him, his presence of, uh, you know, he's big and um, uh, everything about him, he just, everyone goes quiet when he's walking past you and going to the, the dugout. So it's, you got that awe about them, but it's, it's you, I think you, as a manager, you just got to try and be yourself and you're going to get things right, you're going to get things wrong, but I'm not ever going to go and try and copy someone and yeah. wear chinos or trainers on the side of a pitch because that me. <laughs> now, I was always told that, that, that you, when you're building your style, whether it's actually as a referee or a coach or anything really in life, you're always taking bits from different people that you like and see that mould into your own philosophy. I did when I was playing. I always... I think because my dad was a manager as well and I, I followed him quite closely when he was at Clevedon for, I think it was 13, 14 years. Um, and I always, then there were mobile phones, it was all house phones and I would be sat in the room and I'd hear what was going on. And I think then you do pick up things. But again, when I was playing, I played under some great managers. You do pick up little things um, and you, you try and, I do look back sometimes and think, what would he have done? But the game's changed so much nowadays um, the old school managers, I think nowadays you've got to go and try and adapt with these young ones coming through because life's changed, hasn't it, with your social media and sometimes you've got to look at lads on a Saturday where is me and me assistant, Nathan Rudge, and for us, we've known each other since school, but we've always said we try and enjoy it and, and have a beer afterwards. Like I said, I sat down with Scouts many a times and had a drink, but you 
it, to us to have, to get three points on a Saturday that beer always tastes a lot better but mm. you lose I still I'm not, I try not to take it home I still in the same it's not you, you still um, you're, you're firing up and ready for the next one it's like a drug really so mm. yeah well, I just think it's, it's different to what um, what it was like years ago because you know there are many of these old school managers that are they're left I feel like an old one now I've been doing it I think 12 13 years <laughs> I know it's mad, isn't it? And of course, being an Evertonian, you, your favourite tipple is bitter. In it, so you love <laughs> bitter. Obviously, you're bitter Evertonian. If Richard's got a striker, not I'm not I haven't looked at his team. I'm not talking about anybody here. But if Richard's got a striker in any of his teams that he's managed over the years, who keeps missing within the 18 yard box or something like that, Richard's going to get. Well, I would think maybe I would think logically that Richard's either going to put an arm around him and say look have you thought about doing this when you get into these positions have you thought about that how could you improve this how could you improve that I think the same thing needs to happen to to, to referees instead of sort of pushing them from pillar to post and allowing these because the thing is it's the same as if you drive a car okay if you make a mistake as a referee bad habits are going to set in and I think that that's one of the things that we need to to try and help referees with as well is when they're getting low marks look at them and think there's clearly they're not a bad or there's a good referee within there because they've got to this level and they've done well so what have they have they hit their ceiling and is there ways that we can improve them and things like that so I think that I think it works both ways and I think that there's a lot of parity between players and referees in that regard yeah it's like I tell referees to say things to, to check up on if there is a pain in the ass player you know, some managers go, you're, you're picking on him, you know, yeah, but there's an assessor there and he's he's a dead easy booking. That's a great way to get a better mark as a referee, isn't it? Yeah. So sort your players out. And it's yeah. things like, it's things like, um, I do that, I go into clubs, I've done it loads of times, and so to them, and I can tell you're left back and you're a pain in the ass. If you've got a captain who plays in the middle of the park and we know, I know you've had captains who play in the middle of the park who were a pain in the ass, the referee can't escape him. So mm. he's picking up on the comments, every comments all the time. So he just pisses him off and he's more likely when he goes in for a tackle, he goes, you know what, you've been doing my head in. Rightly or wrongly, there's a second yellow, is a stupid. Whereas the right back, who might be just as mad to you as the number eight, too far. doesn't hear him because he escapes yeah. him. Do you know what I mean? And, and and it's that little bit of savviness that I think just clubs just just be a bit cuter of you play if you pick as your captain after wise ass. Who's, who's a ref, ref, fair play ref, well done, well done, well done. He does a favourite ref, that's his fifth one. They're having a go, mate. Rather than just screaming out, how many more ref? Oh, which just pisses off the referee. Yeah. And I think that bit of savviness and a little bit of like, look, look I'm not going to make him captain because he's like, he's going to be on the referee's back the whole game and I'm going to lose him for, for at least like five games a year, yeah. purely for being an obet. I think yeah. that those sorts of conversations need to happen too. Give it to the keeper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I booked, I was in one one penalty area with a corner and he gave me loads in which he was in the other goal down the other end because he was a goalkeeper and he's the only, I just walked to the edge of the penalty area and thought, do you know what, I can't be asked walking all the way down to <laughs> 90 yard yellow. So I was on, I was in the D of one goal area and he was in the D of the other and I just said, oh, bitch, I know your name. is a yellow card. You've been a knobhead. And, and just went, because you can play into the people's hands because he probably wanted me to come all the way down there to win a 1-0, five minutes to go, slow the tempo down, playing right into the hands of him and pissing off the people who just, who just want to defend the corner and want to get on and try and get that goal back. So yeah. again, it's that savviness as well that I think. Yeah. 
I always loved it. Referee knew. A long memory. And me, I remember your dad. I remember sending your dad off for giving me loads. I created and sound dead, dead funny. And I was shy. So I made a real bad mistake, but he just wouldn't let it go. And when you go wide from a goal kick, you go right in the halfway line, more or less. We're the dog outside at Cleveland Town. Well, your dad just gives me loads, just slaughters me. And then when it turns away, you go, ah, yeah, swear at me. So when it turns around, his mouth is shut. So I was like, but I think there's a concept of like giving refs abuse and giving refs stick and banter. I always felt that you never really pushed it that much at me, if I'm honest. I, I knew if I went to you, you're doing me as in, shut up, you shut up. But some people just can't, they just keep going and keep going and keep going yeah. and keep going. So where, where do you reckon the line is on stick and banter? No, I, I, I think, again, it's different with you because, you, I, like I said earlier, you you always had that um, communication with anyone on the, on the pitch. If someone saw you, you would have a pop back, but everyone knew where they stood. Um, and I, I, and I love that. I love a referee to come and explain or if he was wrong, you put his hand up and he apologise and... Yeah, no, I should have done this, or you know, because it is. I'm not going to make a safety at our level. Um, but I, going back to the your, you know, giving referee stick things out, it has got to stop. Do a lot of managers, do a lot of referees, sorry, who've been maybe a red on your list, who would acknowledge that they've made an error in the past. Do, do many of them come to you and say, actually? Uh, sorry about that, Richard. Last time I wasn't at my best. Uh, I'll be better today because it seems like a lot of referees do do that but I'd be interested to see how that affects you no, I'd love it if they did I know Scout's got a story coming up in a minute with with one referee but it's I'd, I would rather I'd rather I'd, and there's been times Nathan where I've um, I've even rang referees up the next day or you know if we've seen stuff on, on highlights just because I think it needs you know watch this but if they admit and they apologise it's different again they got to learn is anyone if they're not being assessed then it's you know, and they cost you a decision or yeah. you're going back. Because even now, what you've said earlier is playing on my mind with referees that are already going to keep up with the fitness levels. If my lad's in training and things like that, now I'm thinking, well, sometimes they do stand in the in the centre circle. They don't come out of that centre circle because they're they fit enough to get around the pitch. So now that's going to be playing on my mind. No, it needs discussion. We, we, I can't stand here as a referee, as a referee charity. Just defending it. We get called. I'm getting stick on Twitter now because we've just launched this Give the Referee yeah. the ref a Hand campaign, which everyone thinks we've aimed at Premier League level and Football League level. Not getting the concept that, you know, what about referees on their own? Getting battered, absolutely battered on Twitter as we speak. Thousands of people saying, oh, yeah, my team's is, at the moment is choosing what track to come out to. And I'm absolutely getting battered on Twitter because they've totally missed the point. Is that football isn't about what's seen on Selly. It's about what's what what what's lower down, yeah. and I think one of the things where, where you've always been good at you will put your hands up as well. And I mentioned it earlier, referee called Shane Mansfield, who um, and we see if we can get the video. Explain what happened with Shane Mansfield as a ref. We have to. Now we um we had Shane. I've we I've known Shane for a couple of years, and um, this was the year we got promoted into the Southern League with um with Street and and Shane and he's one. He, Oh, I will say you communicate, you talk to you before the game, you talk to you afterwards. Sometimes we've been irate and, and he'll not say try and calm me down, but he'll, uh, he'll explain his decisions. And he, and he has been times when he's come over and spoke to me in the dugout and, and said, Look, I got that wrong. Shut, shut up and, and get on with it. And then you just shut you up. But this episode, this happened up at Yate away just after Christmas. We, um, Yate were at the top 
it was the year they got promoted into the um, Southern League Prem. Um, nil nil, ten minutes to go. Um, corner come in the box, and one of their lads who've been diving and chasing the referee around all game is fell down on top of the ball in the penalty in the penalty area. Shane's pointed straight to the spot and said that our lad pushed him. No way in a million years it won it the penalty. Um, as you can imagine, with ten minutes to go, we're playing top of the league, and we think we were just outside the playoffs. Then um, you you have a you have a bit of a moan in the referee. There ain't no fourth official. They scored a penalty. After the game, um, I waited for Shane as you're walking off at Yate and I just said, there's no way. And he, I spoke to the lad that he um, said they pushed him and he said, I never touched him uh, fair. So that, that that part kills you. You go into the dressing room afterwards. The lads even sat in the dressing room and said, um, I never touched him. To be fair to Shane, he said, you're number six. And they pushed him in the back. He went and fell on top of the ball. I said, well, the game's being videoed. I'm going to get the highlights, Shane, and I'll call you. He said, I'll give you my number. Call me. I'm right. So when I watched the video the next day, come through, they put the highlights on, they showed they put the goal on YouTube. And um, there was a lad in front of him and I couldn't really see it, but there was no way a push. There was no way in a million years. It was just two lads that were back. Um, he was on the back of him. He's just cheated. The referee fell on top of the ball. So I rang Shane up and um, I didn't know at the time he was, he was on his way to Portugal because he's an MMA fighter. So the conversation changed a little bit then. <laughs> 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 so he, he said I'm in Portugal and, and, he, and he explained he said no I'm telling you now I'm not a liar you calling me a liar I said no 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 but I said I'll call you so I've called you um, spoke to him and he had it out and, and I said I'm sorry but I'm, you're wrong that was on the Sunday come the Thursday the chairman at the time said there was a blogger which I'd even know they come to non-league games like, who was stood the other side of the 18 yard box from where I was at eight on this side and our number six pushed the lad in the back and kills you. So I, I've, I've done the right thing. I rang Shane up on the Friday, he picked up the phone, and I think he said, what? What do you want now? And I said, I'm bringing to apologise. Um, I think it's only right. One, because I thought next time we have him, he might have me in the car park. Two, I just um, I, I apologised to him, and I said, you're right. Um, I had it out with our lad who, who lied, and we... Uh, yeah, he, he nipped it into bud, and we have had him twice since then. Um, as I had him at Melksham last year, twice at Salisbury and Blackford and Langley. Um, and I think he got an amber. I had a look earlier, he had an amber, two ambers or a, a green and an amber on me, little chart. But no, I think it was only right. It was quick for me to pick up the phone and, and not say criticize him, but on one angle of the video, it was the, there wasn't no push. Um, but on the other side, you can see where our lad in the middle of the park has pushed him in the back. Um, and he's gone on top of the board. It was it was a penalty. Is his absolute confidence not make you think twice? I'm talking about when he was walking off the pitch. Did yeah. his absolute confidence not make you think? Oh, actually, do you know what? Because I, I look back at it now. I did go on the pitch and I'll hold my hands up and I and I and I asked and he did say, "Look, speak to me outside the dressing room." So I went walked off and spoke to him down there. And to be fair to Shane, even though he. Um, he he tried calm, he calms you down and that and the way he talks, but he was professional. He done it all right, and I think I've never done it since. I ain't gone on the pitch and, and said anything to referee because it, it sticks in your mind. Again, it was, it was long ago. What's this? Only a year or two ago. But now I think if you're going to speak to a referee, I think you've got to wait till you get to the dressing room. But then credit on both sides. I think one because I had the balls to pick up the phone to him yeah. even though he was an MMA fighter I was always going to do that but two I think fair play to him because he got the decision right he stuck by his guns and he, and he said I seen the push um, I seen your, your lad pushed him in the back 
and uh, he didn't back down. And you know, for credit to him, he, he, um, he, he a lot of respect there because one, I think he, I think we've learned that bit of respect between the two of us because it, it would have been easy for me to just make out I didn't see that video, the second one. I, yeah. I think what's really important what you haven't said about is that you give him a shy club mark. And then when you found out that he got the decision right, you actually phoned the FA up, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, Laura, the secretary. Explain yeah, that. Yeah, no, we did, we did. The lowest mark, I, I can't remember what it was, um, but the secretary at the time, Rich, he, I think our lowest, I think the lowest mark, 70 in it, okay, 65, something like that. Yeah. And yeah. We, we give him one above that because he cost us the point. Um, but yeah, yeah no, we, bring it, we sent the email back up to the FA and changed it and give him 100 out of 100. And that's some, that's some precedented, isn't it? And I think, you know, the marking system is 100% flawed, absolutely 100% flawed for after club marks because they can be exploited like that. But I just thought that when you phoned me and said that to me, I just saw fair play. And everyone knows what Shane's like. He tells everyone he's MMA. Because, you know, people are going to say anything to him. Oh. I, 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 oh, I, uh, you know, I don't, I've never met him. I know he's an MMA. I think he's got a black belt in Sudoku as well as something. <laughs> I don't know. watching this. <laughs> Yeah, when I meet you, Shane, I'm sure you'll be a lovely lad. <laughs> but like, <laughs> but you know what I mean. And and, and I think uh, I thought that was great, mate. And I think I, I've seen um, club club marks, shite club marks stand. And all the all the secretaries put in is the referee was pandering to the assessor, nothing else. Mm-hmm. And it stands because Neil Barry and people like that say, "Oh, they're entitled to an opinion." This yeah. is fact. This mm-hmm. is this sort of shite goes on. It should be two ways here. Yeah, you, you should have an opinion. Absolutely, hundred percent, have an opinion. But you can't moan about like overreacting when assessors are there when they're not really doing the club marks properly. Because yeah. that's why they do it. Do you know what I mean? And I think you know when there's no assessor there, that's when you need to stand up and say, "Look, that's a booking all day. Don't try and not book someone because you want a good mark off me. Mm. Do your job, whether the assessor's there or not. That's the message that I think referees want, and, and I think clubs and managers want. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think we do. I think it's a, I think it's spot on. But I think ultimately, if, if we're being completely honest, the club knows that I don't know what it is, you know, wherever they've saved them 15 quid there. And I think that, I think psychologically, particularly now, and what we're going to, in the world we're going to come out into where clubs are going to be on their knees, they're going to be loving referees who manage situations and save them fines and things. Mm. I think that's something that we're going to have to encounter. I'd love to. Uh, one one thing you mentioned there, Rich, is I think on both sides of the game, from referees, from players, from managers, if everyone just played the game with the utmost honesty, and and, and you know, when you, when you make a mistake or when you think you've made a mistake, you can say, okay, I may have made a mistake there, or I did make a mistake there. Um, at the end of the day, referees seem to be uh, viewed as not human because. As a human, you're allowed to make mistakes, but as a referee, you're not. Uh, but at the end of the day, every referee is a human, and every referee will make mistakes, even the ones that come right from the very game. first time you pick up a whistle, as well, doesn't it? And you know, when you've done your first game after the course, there's almost whether it's youth football or whatever it is, there's almost this expectation that immediately you are going to be the world's number one referee, and you're not going to make any mistakes. You're going to get it right. It's the first time you walk into a pitch with a whistle in your hand. Mm. And, and and you know it's not all referees have got a black belt in Suzuka either do you know what I mean so somebody <laughs> can go a bit further but one of the things I want to talk about we talked about streets you also did well at Bitten didn't you 
or West Country team up in Bristol. Now you're at a cracker club. You've touched on it a little bit, a little bit. Melchin Town built new facilities. They would have a. I remember refereeing. I remember actually going to the last game. I, I can't remember why we went there. There was the last game ever at Melchin's old grounds. Yeah, got, yeah, I can't even say that what it is. And 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 it, how do you pronounce that, that again? Conacher. The Conacher. The Conacher. Hard for the scouts. I think, the day, I think it was Bradford they played in the last game. Yeah, going, they they bit of a do on it and. Big family heritage with Darren Perrin and Steve Perrin and his dad's old top lad Steve Perrin actually played for Forest Green Rovers in goalie. He was a goalie as well, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. Like Melksham, always thought that it's great to see their facilities now and massive youth set up. You know, Darren Perrin's doing good as chairman and all the other stuff you got going on. So, you know, big up to Melksham, mate. And how are things over there? Yeah, no, is it well? Uh, this season it's been awkward, but I've only been. I, it's funny. I was, I was only telling the, um, Darren the other day, but the club's been in the Southern League now. This is their third year. The first year, unfortunately, the manager left about ten games to go, and all the players walked out. And they played one game with nine men, and then after that, played the kids until the end of the season. And then I came in. We started off with a brand new side, um, as well known. We only had two players from the year before, so I had to build a squad, which was hard some um, you might have phone calls and meeting players and getting let down and signing lads and, and we didn't start very well um, we won our first game 6-3 and then we had a bit of a torrid for a month or two and then I managed to sign a couple of older lads Dave Thompson and Josh Ford good established Southern League um, players and then we we did not say turned the corner we kept, we kept a couple of clean sheets after um, losing heavily um, and then just went on an unbelievable run. We were fourth from bottom, I think, coming into December. Ended up getting, the end of January or coming into February, we were in the playoffs. Um, and like I said to you before, we, just, we were just flying. It was like a steam train. It was, e- it was easy to pick a side and, and get the, the lads were itching to get out there. And, and then the season got null and void. Um, and then this season come around. So the club hadn't completed a season yet properly in Southern League football. Then this season come around, we've only played six league games. Um, and we've had COVID flying around. It's no excuse because all clubs have had it, but we we played um, Slimbridge and Fatcham in the space of like four or five days. Um, then on the, the Monday, we were due to go to Evesham. Two of the lads had COVID, tested positive. So then obviously they weren't allowed to play football for two weeks. Then the first, the second lockdown come in. Um, was it second? Yeah, the second one. Then we came back, we played one friendly against Con in December. Then the, the third lockdown come in. So we only played, we played the six league games. We played a few cup games um, where a couple, we had a couple of good results. It's just been a mess. Um, I'm not scared to admit the first I haven't been I've been there two years I haven't been able to complete a season so it is a great club um, the facility wise it's unbelievable to to turn up and play on a Saturday it's you know the support you get the the back in the supporters are outstanding the best I've known in playing and managing um, even when times were hard they still text you message you and Facebook and keep going if because they know how hard the job is but I just want maybe two or three years of prove myself in, and have a go because I can't complete a season at the moment because of COVID and done <laughs> yeah. and void. And for that, that killed us last year because I was confident we would have got in the playoffs. And um, like I said, we only lost two of the last 18 before we went null and void. Um, whereas this year, we've only, we've only played six, we've still got 32 to play. And hopefully this week, the rumours are flying around and we'll get an answer of what's going to happen because no one knows and you're just left in limbo. And I don't, it's not the league's fault, it's the FA's fault. 
Yeah, it's interesting because we get to the Vars a couple of years ago, semi-final of the Vars. Quarterfinals, yeah, they lost yeah. the fat one now. Yeah, and Adam, Adam Penwell, who's been a guest on our show, I know you know Penn is, yeah. his ref, he, uh, he refereed it. I remember going over there and, and another guest who's been on our show, uh, Yerich Hoppers from Holland, he was over because I was obviously saying how well you're all doing up Elksham and that. And he said, can I come over? And he stays over in Bristol and we went there and I wasn't in a official capacity and I got absolutely drunk as a skunk for all years. It was a great day. It was a really good crack. It was like Scott Jackson was there as well, you know, Scott and it, yeah. his wife, Claire. Oh, yes, it was just a great experience. And even though, you know, you lost, you lost the, the organisation and the way that worked that day, Melkson, was just a credit to, to the league and a credit to, 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 to wheelchair. It was, it was yeah, just they, a well-oldest yeah. team. Hell of a day. The volunteers they got there, Sky's obviously it, you even if you went up to the ground um after the second lockdown, you still got three or four of them um working on the pitch. They're painting, there's a there's a lad called Mick Miller, been at the club for years, you you making the signs. Um you got you like you said before about the pairing family, Mick, the, the dad who I think's done every role at the club. Yeah, works on the turnstile. Um Wife works in the in the canteen. Um, Nicola, Darren's wife, mm. is to say the COVID officer. So it is like a family um, affair there. But you, 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 the volunteers they have got at the club is is second to none, and, and they love it. And in, in their faces, when we were on that run, and again Boxing Day when we beat Froome four one in front of eight hundred, mm. their faces afterwards. I didn't think I left the ground until seven eight o'clock at night. It was a one o'clock kickoff. <laughs> 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 it, uh, but it's, it's for people like them because again and this is what I try and explain to them people don't know what they've been through since they've come up into the Southern because they came up with us when we won the league they came up as runners up when I was at street and then that first year it ended a bit um, weren't very nice you know lads all players walking away local lads walking away as well and then you've got to go and rebuild a team it's hard at any level to go and do that um, to get lads in especially a club like Melksham where our facilities, in my opinion, it goes against us because teams turn up, they can't wait to come and play in front of 400. The pitch is like a bowling green. The changing rooms are warm and nice and cosy and this um, the atmosphere is brilliant and, and you need lads that's got, they can handle, handle that sort of mentality that every game is like playing a cup final because that's, home games are like that. Um, and, and it is, it's, you know... It, the good thing is we're trying to build something. We've got a good age group at the club and good um, a good set of lads that we've managed. It. It's been a lot of chopping and changing. It always has. But it's, you know, if we can keep these lads together for two, three years, then, you know, hopefully the club will be competing around the tops with a lot more established clubs like your Frooms and Totten, Sirencester, because yeah. they're all up there at the moment. Listen, we're going to wrap it up and then, it's, unless there's anything else you want to mention that we haven't mentioned, Mitch, we can... No, no, no. Going back to what you said earlier, because it, it's going to play on my mind now with those referees. And if there's a way of making it known, Scouts, and any of them want to take up the offer of coming in and doing a bit of fitness work with us, then um, more than well, just get in touch with, with me or you and pass on my number and bowl me. They can come in and help. And just to be in that environment with other, with other grown blokes in a dressing room and it help them out for their mental side of it, what Nathan was saying. And if we can help, we will. That's brilliant, mm. and I hope maybe people from other clubs that are also watching yeah, this would would offer the same thing to referees in their local area because uh, I'm nowhere near match fit, and I've got 
four-ish weeks to get up to that standard. I'm going to have to go out. It's going to take a lot of motivation and self-discipline and, quite frankly, avoiding of kebab shops. And I don't think I've got it in me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, it's fine. Again, with the local FAs, I know Wiltshire FA for us, but I'll touch base with our chairman as well and get him to send a an email and, and let him know what, what I've mentioned. And yeah, if we can help, we will. And I, and I think if a lot of managers do watch this, I don't think there'll be a problem with it because um, at the end of the day, we're, we all got full-time jobs and we, all we want to do is try and enjoy it. If it means helping a referee rather than him going out in all weathers on his own, if you, they want to come in and do a bit of work with the players, it's not a problem. They ain't got to kick a ball, but um, well, actually some of the referees might be better than some of our lot. I did tell the boys you'd be good. Absolutely. <laughs> Living and listening to you, mate. It's, it's brilliant. It's always good to talk to you from my point of view. I've always liked it. Always, you're a good lad. And I, I'm glad I picked you up to the boys because it looks like they've enjoyed it too. And Yeah, definitely. Also, really appreciate your time, Mary. That's fine. Definitely. Yeah. definitely. When, when, when I come down to visit Martin, I'll make sure you're on my list of places to, to see and, yeah, and, definitely. and catch up with. All three of us can come to your club, mate. But all the best in Melksham. Everyone there, you mentioned the people involved in there. All the best to everyone in, in football. It's a challenging time for referees, for players, for clubs. We just hope that we can all come back a better game. And hopefully we can uh, see you soon, mate, with your fans, with your colleagues, with your players, and we can all have a pint and, uh, yeah. and all have a really good time. So so thanks for coming on, mate. Thanks for having me on. Rich Faye, Melkson Town Manager. it's simple get down to play today the uk's leading app for next game availability download down to play from the app store and google play this week's selk podcast was brought to you by down to play the simple app for next game availability